Very good. Sometimes like, can I get a little bit more volume yeah. of me? <laughs> bit more me. Oh yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Bit more me. So Dan, you just let. Huh? Oh, brilliant. Okay, great. Hello and welcome back to season two, episode two of the Beauty of Truth podcast. I am your host, Robin Byrne. And if you would like to see more or hear more from me and all the information you'll need about the podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Robin Byrne Makeup or the Beauty of Truth podcast on Instagram. And I just want to say a quick uh, shout out and thank you to everyone who has messaged me over the last two weeks and starting back season two. Um, a, special, a, a special shout out to the girls from Canada who messaged me to say that it feels like I'm giving them a little a little taste of home. Um, and that's what this podcast is all about, just having chats, um, giving people something to listen to while we're in lockdown and keeping everybody entertained, hopefully. So a big, big thank you to everyone who's reached out um, since launching season two. Um, I really, really appreciate it. So this week... Have you ever wondered what it's like to be an actor in Ireland? Have you ever tried to understand what the graft is like? How rewarding it is, but how being an actor is not just about being behind the camera. So this week I have Eva Jane Gaffney, absolute beaut of a woman, um, brings us into the world of acting in Ireland. And with having no formal training, this girl's success has been absolutely incredible. Eva moved into different types of acting, like voice acting, theatre, film, casting. She's done work for Aviva, McDonald's, the list goes on. And this episode is not just a story about Eva's acting career, but also about her, her recent diagnosis of epilepsy. Eva describes her epilepsy in this episode as like her reality slipping away from her. Eva tells the story about how they she thought that she would never act again after getting this diagnosis it's an emotional story um but also this is another story of people overcoming struggles diagnosis hardship which we've all experienced in the last year and if you're listening to this week's or last week's episode and you're struggling i really hope that this these stories give you some hope some comfort motivation to not not let your worries totally own you and that the good times are are on their way um, and that I hope you get a good giggle because it's also a bit of crack as well. So welcome back to the Beauty of Truth podcast. Oh, and before we get into it, this podcast is recorded and produced at Primal Productions Studios and you can find them on Instagram at Primal Pro. Eva Jane Gaffney! Robin! Thank you so much. We're after talking for about an hour before this anyway. I know, but we had to, it's been a long time. It's been a long time and we've lots to catch up on and I'm so glad you're here. It's Aww. so, that's the thing I was saying I love about these podcasts. I get to actually meet people that like you wouldn't normally yeah. get to, but it's only really if we bumped into each other, we'd probably see each other. I know and it's, it's mad because it, like you can go so long without seeing someone, but I don't think either of us have, like, we've never kind of changed much or anything. Like, you're the exact same. Yeah. We still have the exact same relationship. Do you know that yes, kind of way? exactly, exactly. Um, <coughs> uh, except Excuse we're me. just not sessioning as much yeah. as, as back then. <laughs> yeah. 
thankfully thankfully yeah, yeah, um, yeah. thankfully tripod We're is sober. closed yeah yeah tripod <laughs> no seriously it makes me so sad so one loads of other nightclubs have closed down nothing has quite cut me yeah the way tripod cut me I know it was just the most amazing place oh, because every best. night was completely different music the same people yeah, um, yeah. but it was like you know there was never any beef with anyone because you knew you were going to see them on the Tuesday Wednesday Thursday yeah, Friday and yeah, Saturday yeah. so it's oh, like stop. we just all have to get along yeah like oh and I used to go like a mad thing as well everyone's like yeah geisha girl oh you you served some I, serious looks <laughs> oh stop and then when I look back I'm like you're a mother Robin you cannot wear those things I anymore. know but you weren't a mother <laughs> and you can you know you looked great ah oh, sure listen um so just for anyone listening to the podcast who doesn't know your background, who might not yep. follow you on Instagram, you're, they're all going to end up following you after this. I know <laughs> they will. Um, but what I suppose I know you as like Eva Jane, as an actress. I know you from working in Forever 21. Mm-hmm. I know you're from see- obviously as well, like seeing and hearing you around like on Twitter and Instagram and keeping in, keeping in touch. But for anyone who doesn't know you and your career path, why don't you tell us all? So I'm an actor and a voiceover artist. Um, so I started acting when I left school. Um, I didn't go to college or anything. So I kind of joined like a little acting group um, in the factory on Barrow Street. Do you remember MPAS? Oh, yeah, used to MPAS. Be in there. Yeah, yeah, I went there. Yeah, uh, Eamon, Colin Farrell's brother. Yeah, and Jill. Jill. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. Susan oh Farrelly. Oh my God, that is Amazing. a blast from the past. Yeah, so um, there was like, I wasn't in MPAS, obviously. There was um, an acting group in there in the factory and uh, started in there just kind of workshop and stuff. We used to just bring scripts in and put ourselves on camera and... It was mainly film, like it was mainly screen that I kind of fell into first. Um, in the last few years, I've done a good bit of theatre as well. But I think theatre was something that I was really um, nervous about because I had no formal training. And, yeah. you know, theatre was quite an exclusive world. It's definitely changing now. There's much more, um, I don't know, uh, like the the work is much more open now. So I'm not nervous about not having a degree or a cert from yeah, somewhere, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah. And then voiceover wise, I've been doing voiceovers for about seven years. Um, getting into trying to get into the kind of world of gaming and stuff now as well. So oh, I, yeah, yeah, because I love I love the voices on video games. Um from listening to other people play them because I'm not a big gamer but I just think it's so interesting that like it's so character driven but you can't be seen so it's it's such a world of it does not matter what you look like and that really appeals to me like getting to play amazing strong characters and it having nothing to do with your physical appearance because obviously that's such a huge thing in the world of screen and stage um, so that's why, yeah, with voiceovers, I, I just love that kind of stuff. So, yeah, because I listened to your the voice bank yeah. that you're on and I was listening to all the different characters yeah. and your character one. I was like, oh, my, it doesn't even sound like you. It's so Thank you. Good. That's the best compliment. Oh, my God. I was like, I'm going to say that and I don't know yeah. how that's going to fly. No, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's so funny. Like the, the best thing is when people go, no way, is that you? And I'm like, 
yes, I can switch it on when I need to. Oh, Do you know what honestly, I mean? And then, you like, know, the one, you, your commercial one. Yeah. No, like, I love that. I was like, wait, did she, has she done that ad? Is yeah. that her in? It's so good the way you can switch it up. And it is like, I suppose it's really a little bit, um, ignorant of me to say but not being in the world of acting like you just I don't know like you don't really assume that there's an acting process to a voiceover Mm -hmm. like obviously I know for like Pixar and Disney and all there is but when you think of like when you say it and you're like you're doing voiceovers I was like oh that's cool and then I went and listened to the voice bank um, and I really urge people to go and listen to it because it's actually amazing when yeah. you can listen to different people's voices and characters, mm. like the 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 acting that goes into that. Yeah. How do you prepare for something like that? So, um, well, when you get a, a voiceover, you're, most of the time I go in and I only get the script on the day. Um, so say any of the brands that I've done them for, like I, I did the Aviva campaign which was for um, ads and it was really beautiful. But like those scripts were amazing. And I went in on the day I'd never seen the scripts before. You have the whole agency clients. There's like sometimes there can be 10 people on the other side of the booth and you're in oh the booth on your own. So you're in the booth on your own. You have I, your, I feel pressure like, when I'm in here doing I know. this. So I can't imagine the people standing around. Yeah. And I mean, I used to be shaking like a leaf when... I first started doing them because what would happen is um, you're in a soundproof booth. Everybody else is on the other side of the glass, but they can turn the mic off. So you'll do a take and then, you know, the sound engineer who's usually that's who you make friends with. You know, that's who you're trying to. Yeah, because they're they're rooting for you and they see it so much. They see people constantly. So when they give you a little tip or a little nod, you know that you're doing it right or whatever yeah um but he or she can just go i'm just going to mute you there for a sec and they like knock the mic off so you're sitting there watching but you can't hear what they're saying oh god <laughs> they could be like even there jesus she's shy yeah or yeah, even yeah. There, oh let's pay her yeah. like double because she's so good yeah so yeah. you're kind of sitting there but now i literally look down i wait until they've sound comes back in the earphones and I just do my job like like anything you know I suppose it just takes time yeah. to get used to it's a different type of acting yeah and say for the Aviva one like when I went in um because it was the first time I'd read those scripts I'm genuinely crying in one of them because the script is so gorgeous and I remember reading through it and then um Kevin was like we'll just put we'll we'll just record the first one so I was doing it and it just like hit me. I was like, oh God. And like you can hear my voice cracking in the end of it. Um, and then they ended up using that one. We did probably a whole half hour of the same script after that, but they ended up going with that one. So that's what I mean. There is a there is a lot of character work and acting involved in um, voiceovers too. And I just, I don't know, I just feel very comfortable in the boots yeah I, I just yeah, I just really thing. enjoy it yeah I yeah. really enjoy it you know it's amazing it's such a it's, um like a diverse route to take mm. in acting yeah the one that not a lot, an awful lot of people probably don't even think of yeah you know? yeah and and you know it it's not something but the thing is you can you're always going to have your voice your voice is always changing 
some people only decide that they want to start doing some voiceover work when they're in their 50s and that's fine it just so happened for me I was kind of in my mid-20s when I really went oh I could actually do more of this I could try and get into animation or gaming and you know actually be doing voiceover for characters rather than just commercial stuff um so yeah I just I don't know why I, I just love it I just kind of fell in love with it yeah, because you said something there that you wh- when you you started crying doing one of them. Mm. So I listened to um, the voiceover that you did for the video, the Tenth Man. Yeah. Oh my God, Eva, that was so emotional. Yeah, I was in bits. Oh, like, and it's so funny. I don't know if it was because I know it was you, but I actually don't think so. I think in general, like, yeah. A, Bravo. <laughs> I was absolutely like well enough. Now obviously I to to explain what the tenth man is, it's it's kind of about COVID and Yeah, so the, the tenth man are a production company, um and uh Sarah Coffey, who works in the Tenth Man, wrote this lovely script. Um and this was in April, I think. So it was like first lockdown. Okay. And it was about how things are changing and we're missing people and you know, but we'll will rise and you know it will be okay and we'll be together again and stuff and I actually recorded that in my house because my brother um has set up a little voiceover booth so he has a brilliant microphone oh, amazing he's soundproofed so you can and work everything from home as yeah, well exactly so most brilliant. of the stuff that I've been doing like I did a McDonald's from home um you Jesus, know we've how in, the world has changed. I know it's crazy. We've invested in making the kind of a home studio so that, like that character um, reel that I did, the gaming one with all Harley Quinn and all the different accents and yeah. all. Me and my brother did that at home, so he did wow. all the sound effects and everything. I'm absolutely blessed to have. Yeah, him. wow, isn't that yeah, so handy? He's a little sound engineer. I'm like. Thank you. Can I book you for an hour on Wednesday? He's going, who's the client? Who's the client this time? (laughs) Oh my God, brilliant. Yeah, I know. So That's so handy. Actually, didn't Megan Burke, who we had on last season, Yes, she recorded in your brother's studio, didn't she? Yeah, exactly. Small world. I know. Such a small world. And my my first ever acting role was with Megan. We did a summer camp years and years ago. And we played Mr. and Mrs. Thenardier in Les Mis. I was no Mr. Way. Had a mustache drawn on. And yeah, that was oh that was God. the two of us. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I was saying. The, that, that voiceover for that video about COVID, honestly, it was it was so moving. I was so emotional I listening know. to it. And it just yeah. shows the power of not having to see a person, but just hearing their voice. Mm. Like the 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 emotional connection that you can have to that. Yeah, I was very conscious to get that one right as well. You know, we had to kind of walk away from it and let it digest a bit and then listen to it again. And um, it. I think we had gone kind of back and forth on maybe using the start of one of the takes and the end of one, but I was just going, no, it has to be all one. Like it has you to. You want it to be one yeah, rolling. Yeah, I don't want to go, okay, we'll pause there and then go for that bit again or pick that bit up so you do that whole thing with a br- without a break yeah oh yeah. wow yeah so wow. yeah um where can people find that video to it's go watch? on youtube okay um, yeah because i found it on your twitter account but yeah. obviously it's on youtube okay. it's on youtube yeah if you just put in the 10th man 
I think it's, it's called the, Rise, isn't it? Yeah. Rising? Yeah. Some, or Fe- Phoenix? Phoenix. Phoenix. Sorry, yes. Rising like the Phoenix. Yes. Phoenix. Yeah, Rising. Like, I knew yeah. there was a Phoenix in yeah. it. Because I have my, my godchild is called Phoenix. So that's how I remember. Oh, that's a lovely name. Um, yeah, gorgeous name, little girl. Yeah. Um, but another thing you said there that I wanted to ask you about as, as an actor. So with voiceover, it's great. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing. You can have a spot. You can put on a bit of weight, yeah, or you absolutely. can lose weight, whatever, yeah, <laughs> whatever it is. You can you're, do your no makeup on, yeah, your maddest faces and stuff as well. Did you know, like I'm, even the way I'm talking, I'm quite animated. Like, yeah, people yeah. won't, but people won't see that right now. My two hands are up in the air and my eyes are like, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you're in the booth and you're doing a voiceover, people can't see that. Do you know? Yeah. So, so that's kind, kind of, of it's kind nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I don't, I, I sound like an absolute nutshell, but I don't look like yeah, one. Yeah, or yeah. do I? The opposite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I suppose as, take out you doing voice, doing voiceover work mm-hmm. as an actor, mm-hmm. is there that pressure for appearance? Yeah, big time. Um, you know, the pressure comes from myself as well. Um, but I... Yeah, and, and I, t- I think I'm just realistic about it. Like, I'd love to be going, no, it's all changing and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, it didn't take... It didn't take five years for it to become that way. So it's not going to all go away in five years. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, So you just kind of have to be okay with that. Now, I do think things are opening up a bit more and people are getting a bit more creative, you know... Um. And this is for men too. It's not just for women. This yeah, is, you just know acting what I mean? in this general. Is, this yeah. is just in general. Um, but I mean, I obviously love being on screen too. And I I think I've gotten much more comfortable with myself over the last few years though as well. Um, I used to really worry when I was in my early 20s. And I think probably there was a bit of an inferiority complex because I hadn't trained you know, so I was kind of always having to prove myself. And I, I, I genuinely, I didn't know who I was, you know. Like I was working, say, in Forever 21 in retail. So I'd be wearing like cool, trendy And it was stuff, super trendy you know? at the time. Everyone yeah. in Forever 21 was mad trendy. Yeah. and then, But then, you know, if I'd have an audition, I'd be going, I don't know. I don't know how to dress myself. Like I don't know. Who I am. Yeah, like what you box what I mean? do I fit into? Exactly, or, yeah, yes. yeah. So I think everyone in their early 20s, well, even now, I'm yeah. in late 20s, I'm still feeling that way. Yeah. Sometimes it is hard. You lose. I, I, I suppose it depends on what's going on in your life as well at the time. Mm. Early 20s is just a bit messy and hormonal, I think, anyway. Yeah. But depending on what's going on, you do, like now that I'm a mom, I was only saying earlier, like, yeah. you know, I don't, like, should I wear that? Should I not wear that? Should I get the mom cut? I got the mom cut. Didn't like the mom cut. <laughs> Grow my hair again now. Dyed it blonde. You know, like, yeah. you know, you go, you go, and I'm sure people who are listening and are like, oh yeah, I've gone down that road as mm. well. So in your 20s, trying to be an, a- an actor, must that must have been very difficult. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, and as you said, yeah, it still is. But, I honestly, I I really, really love it. And it's still strange. I think a lot of actors have this as well. It's very strange to say I'm an actor because you're never, unless you're in a, like a long run in soap, you're never full, fully employed as an actor. Yeah, Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's, you're, you don't go from January to December acting all the time. It's ups and downs. It's jobs here and there. Um, 
you know, until maybe you get to a certain level and, and a certain break. Um, and that can happen very quickly for some people. And then they're just flat out all the time. But it's still it, people actually find it hard to go yeah I'm an actor because of course the first question is what what are you in yeah you yeah, know that's what I mean like what are, what's she in yeah and then I'm going to, like did you see a play called heroin that was the most amazing experience of my life doing that show but people are going no I'm like what are you talking about but, yeah and then do you think you know, sometimes does that make like to someone who's maybe like slightly ignorant because I know the play you're talking about heroin and mm. we're going to talk about that. I have have that in my notes. Oh, very good. Like blown away. Yeah. Um, but do you think people maybe who don't go to theatre and when they ask you, what are you in? And you say something like that. It, do you, do people kind of give you a bit of a response like, nah, um, she, you know, God, she's not in anything I know. And I know that sounds really mean me saying that, but I just want, you know, I think people who don't act wonder that. Yeah, absolutely. And, I think, do you know what it is? Not all actors have to be famous. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's so, yeah. I am okay. Such a great answer. <laughs> but, but it's, when you think of it like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you think about, of it that way. You know, like, not all hairdressers have to win the colour trophy to be a hairdresser. And to be a good hairdresser. Uh, do you know that yeah, kind of way? Absolutely. So, we, actors are needed to do all of the jobs. Like, someone needs to be, the the lead but someone needs to be the support and actor and someone we need all those people so not everyone like everyone is a star but not everyone has to be super famous for them to go yeah I'm an actor or to feel successful yeah exactly yeah so uh, and again that's taken me a very long time because I've a lot of my friends have achieved great success and have gotten very famous very quickly um and that uh, it's not that I ever was going I want that you know but it it was hard when a lot of the people that I was surrounded by in my close close circle got super successful really quickly and were working on amazing things and moving away and stuff like that but yeah I get that but now I I do realize that you know actors are needed in all roles and you just have to do what's right for you. you yeah, know? and I think it's like this came up with, and I bring Megan up again because in the sense of like anything creative mm. is quite similar. And and Sean, who has who's barber, like he, they've all kind of said similar things. Like success is well, it depends what you rate as successful. Yeah, you know, someone might say to themselves like it has to be an Oscar. Like if I don't get an Oscar, yeah, I'm not successful. And some people might say if I go and do theater. And I'm absolutely in love with what I'm doing. Well, I'm successful. You know, like it, it depends on what your level of success is. Because we, I mean, social media has ruined the 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 world of comparison. We spend our lives mm. comparison. And I know this is something that you're, you're quite vocal about on social media, you know, like the reality versus Instagram. Yeah. And all of that. And it must be, it must be difficult as an actor because you're in and out of reality. Yeah. You it's, know? it's quite, it's quite hard as well. Um, so much is going online now and I would love to get offline but it's just not really realistic because I'd miss out on so many things I like, am the exact same it's really same. really hard Um, you know the kind of the old school way of working is kind of going a bit and I find that very frustrating because I'm like oh I don't you know what I mean if I'm on here I'm seeing everybody else's successes and stuff and that's great and I'm so happy for everybody but like 
I have to be on here in case there's a casting call that I need to keep an eye out for or, you 100%. know, when you're doing a show, social media is such a tool to promote things and to get bums on seats. You know what I mean? If I didn't have Twitter, a couple of the shows that I did, there would have been a huge percentage less audience members, do you know? Yeah. Because it's kind of, everybody has to be their own like PR person oh, now this you is know it. it is your it is your personal PR your yeah. personal marketing tool and I'm the exact same Scott isn't on any social media yeah except TikTok um, except TikTok Jesus Christ this comes up in every episode well, people don't even have it highlighted on your page that's right I, I know because I, I don't have TikTok it. and I was going I don't have it well I had it for mm. lockdown because I thought like after four glasses of wine I was hilarious on it <laughs> and then like you know we came out of lockdown and back into reality and I was like that's getting deleted yeah um, but he oh now I've lost my train of thought he's not on social media he's not on social media and he's always said to me like just get off it yeah it's so freeing but in his line of work I mean like DHL Scott aren't asking you to Log into Instagram there exactly. and post a few stories. I think they're busy. Yeah, enough. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't get, and I mean this, like, and anyone who's listened to me, any any brides that I've had, majority mm. is actually through Instagram. I know, and the thing is, you you think of people that you see on Instagram. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a weird thing now where we nearly think of people by their handles. Do you know that kind of way? Like 100%. I, I think of people's full Instagram name. When I'm, think, when I'm thinking think of them or something, it's like yeah. immediately associated with yeah, them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do find that, yeah, like if someone is asking me, oh, would you know any makeup artists or whatever? I nearly go onto Instagram and type in makeup, you know what I mean? And all the makeup artists that I'd follow would pop up or whatever. And it's really quick and Do you know what I mean? And I, I yeah. think of them. So I completely understand why you have to be on it as well. Yeah, you know? and it is, it is, it's, you, you know, like... I, I mean, years ago, then the the upside to it is years ago when it didn't exist, people were paying bucket loads yeah. for PR and we were all giving out that the bills were too high and all of that. And now we have it basically f- for free. But it's the, do you find it hard to switch off it? Are you, a, is, what's your screen yeah. time like? Yeah, I put that alert thing on that says you've spent 15 minutes on Instagram. <laughs> You're carrying on, comes get off. off. Comes up at like 8 the in the morning. The 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, so I have that thing that tells me when I've spent 15 minutes a day, but I think I paid attention to it for a week and now I'm just like, okay. Yeah, thanks for letting me <laughs> cool, know. I'm scrolling again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But I do think, you know, there are people that I love watching, people that I find very funny and stuff, and... I do tend to, I do tend to be on it looking, like looking at actors' pages and reading stuff like it's that. It's a tool and, as well. I mean? As is. much as we give out, and I'm the worst, anyone who knows me knows I just fucking give out about social media. Yeah. Like I've nothing really but negative things to say about it. But at the other side of it, it is a tool. It yeah. is good to, ca- like, I mean, we would never be sitting here. Exactly. You know, only for, I can't even, We po- you popped up on something I my said, message. yeah, you'd put, Megan, is this the Megan, Megan Burke show? Megan, Megan, yeah. We um, just, she, you'd put Megan. her song up and I was like, oh my That's God, it's amazing, right. isn't it? And then it? I was like, oh my God, like you are someone who I, only for you popped up. Not that I would have forgotten, but like it's it okay. gave me. It's okay, Rob. No, but it gave <laughs> me, you know, the, what's the word, like the, 
oh my God, the idea of that would be brilliant. Mm. And you're in an industry because I'm all, I'm so fascinated by the different things that people do. Yeah. Because I want, I, I think it comes from, I want it to be 700 things. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I find it really interesting. Um, And I was like, oh my God, you have such a career like that has had yeah. highs, lows, success, you know, that, that yeah. would be brilliant. But we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Instagram. So it does have it does have its pros. I think it's just getting people finding a healthy balance and COVID knocked that on the head because we all had too much time. Mm. So I think I mean, we're kind of lucky, though. Like, did you see there was. A, a whole Love Island competition going on oh on my Instagram. God. I didn't know about no. this. No, see, this is the thing. I'm so glad we're not 21. Oh, fuck I mean, being 21. hilarious Sorry, things gosh. pop up though. You know, when you get like a memory from 2013. Oh, <laughs> right? I got one the other day. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. With like, obviously, the like probably a sepia filter or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. And yeah, it was yeah. like, I'd drawn a love heart. Why am I telling you this? Oh my God. No, a, l- a love heart on like the window of a foggy bus. Like, and it was like hashtag mood, hashtag oh, like being so really cringy, like so, so, so <laughs> That's the hashtag thinking. Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, I nearly died. Stop. I was going. Wow, but for me that's, it's the hairstyles. That but come that's back how pure me. Instagram used to be. Yeah, do you know what you I mean? You could do that. You'd rarely put a picture of yourself up. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so 2013 and 2020 are very different places very on the internet. Different, <laughs> very different on the internet, and and I do. I the, you know the younger people are, and I I read an article there um, about like how COVID is gonna you know that's great that we're this vaccine is gonna help you know the older people and mm-hmm. we're gonna protect them. But has anyone thought of the next phases for all of the young people who have been stuck inside and that COVID has affected their mental health? Yeah. But listen, will that'll be another podcast. Absolutely. But I, I did want to say you you're quite you're vocal though on on um like you're kind of politi- you're a bit political in what you do and I wanted to talk about your acting in heroin. Mm. And if you could tell us all a little bit about that that show because that is something that if it comes back to theatres near me, I mm. will be going to. Mm. It looked amazing. Heroin was uh, like it, it It completely changed me as a person. Like wow. uh, honestly, two years. It's yeah, it was two years ago now. And I'm a very, very different person since doing that show. So um, heroin was originally on in 2004. 10 either 2008 or 2010 sorry theater club don't give out to me <laughs> um but basically the the role that i had is i'm playing rachel kyo rachel kyo is um one of the most inspirational people i've ever met in my life and i got to work so closely with her um she was a heroin addict She's written, uh, she she wrote a book. I would urge everybody to go and find it. Um, it's just amazing. It's called Dying to Survive. And uh, Rachel... We'll w- stick a link in the bio. Yeah, for yeah. That. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, everybody should read it um, and you'll just fall in love with her. She's Make amazing. sure I write that down. Yes, I will. Um, yeah, so Heroin was a show about heroin through the decades originally uh, an amazing actress called Lauren Larkin played the Rachel part 
but I was cast this time around for the the kind of reboot of it. And what they did was it was the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and 2000s. They were the five decades that they'd done when Lauren was um, playing it. And then the reason they brought it back was because the heroin epidemic still hadn't improved in the 2010s. So they added another decade onto it. The show could go on for three and a half hours some nights. It could be quick. It could be, well, it was never quick, but sometimes it could go on for ages um, because we were given so much freedom. So we kind of had like outlines of what we had to do uh, what we had to get across within those decades. Oh, wow. So there was no script. Yeah, there was no script. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is so hard so to do. Not w- that I'm an actor, no. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I now imagine. I obviously, I had, we we basically had, um, you know, Rachel's presence. Rachel was there all through rehearsals, all through workshops. Wow. She was just on, like, just on the phone all the time. We clicked so quickly um it was pretty amazing she met me before they cast me though um herself and grace grace dias the director and writer um i met with rachel and grace and i think because rachel had to trust whoever she was going to allow play her her story um and we met and it was just we just knew, you know, and like she calls me like we're like soul sisters now, you know, and we talk all the time. And um, so Lloyd Cooney was playing. He was kind of playing heroin, if you know what I mean. OK. Then Tony May Jr. was playing the addict and I was kind of Rachel's story that was always involved in it and stuff. So Lloyd wanted to drag Tony down, you know, that Lloyd Lloyd's being the drug. It was about him being all consuming and my kind of moral dilemmas within it all. And um it was amazing. Like the set design was fab. Uh there'd be different music playing from the decades so that you knew what decade you oh, were brilliant. in. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And um yeah, it was just it it was just fascinating and there's you know, there's probably clips of it and stuff online that people can find. But I'd urge everybody to read uh, Rachel's book. And when you said it changed you, like, mm. for kind of ever, what what did it change in you? Um, it was the first time... Oh, I'm getting upset. Okay, it was the first time that I really thought they believe in me as an actor. And they're trusting me to do this, to tour with it, to not have a, a, a proper script. Do you know what I mean? But they're trusting me to to play this amazing, to, to deliver this amazing woman's story. They're trusting me to get that emotion across, to get her pain across. And I really, that's the show that I went, I, I am an actor. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Amazing. Like, you kind of, I think everybody kind of has an imposter syndrome in, in their fields up to something clicks at some point. And that was definitely it for me. That was when I went, oh, okay, this is a huge responsibility and they're trusting me with it. And I think that's why it, it changed me. Yeah. And 
while you're you're acting a role like that, mm. does it kind of all consume you in, yeah. in, in your day to day? You know, when you're not there in the theatre, when you're at home, yeah. you know, trying to have dinner with Polly, your boyfriend. And, yeah. you know, is it kind of all consuming a, a role like that? Oh, I was, yeah, I, I was just on another on another wavelength to everybody else completely. But we were a really close bubble. Rachel, I was living in Finglas at the time. Rachel actually lived down the road. So we would go everywhere together, like to rehearsals every day. And when we were in the theatre, like we'd we'd have a show in the evening, but we'd always go in much earlier. And we really all just stuck together a lot. We travelled, we went to Finland with it. Um, oh, wow. Which was gas. Yeah. So funny. Finland don't have the same heroin problem as Ireland, <laughs> but um, yeah, and they're such lovely people. Oh my God, they were just the nicest and so kind. I mean, I don't know how they understood. I was going to say. Like myself and Lloyd and Tony, yeah, you know. Like proper dubs. Yeah. And, um, and especially for that role. Yeah, exactly. But um, they were just amazing. But as I said, the show was so visceral and so visual and so um physical that you knew what was happening whether you could hear the words or not like it was so physical tony and lloyd had to have like really really physical fights you know because because wow. he was trying to drag him down so he'd literally be doing that they, they used to carry me around um you know tony used to have to throw me over his shoulder and carry me like i was kind of an a bit of furniture like an ornament because say when we were in the 60s up until by the end of it I'm much more vocal but for the first couple of decades it's like I'm just sitting there smoking because the woman is sitting in the corner and she's not saying on while all this is going on but like there was an there was a part in it um where oh, it was just so it was so beautiful there's a part in Rachel's book where um, she had to do some bad things for money, you know? Yeah. Um, and a lot of people in addiction have to do things that they would never do other than needing that needing that drug. Yeah. Um, and this is a story that... There's been a lot of similar stories, so it's, it wasn't necessarily Rachel's. We kind of work, worked around it. And I wanted to portray all the different women. So it was basically Lloyd had the heroine. He's in the apartment and the girl is going to the apartment and we know what has to happen for her to get the drug. Yeah. So we repeated that sequence over and over and over again, like maybe about 20 times. And he would get on top of me or I would be on top of him and it got physical, you know, and it was, I would walk as different characters. So I'd go in, then leave, then have a completely different physical, you know, hold myself a completely different way. Cause I was another person and then another person and another person. And that was something that sometimes by the end of that, like you'd just be bawling, crying on stage. I would, I would strip, you know, because you have to see, like, this is the reality of it. We weren't doing a show that was easy for people to watch. It was a very, very hard thing for people to watch. It was a very hard thing for us to all be in. But yeah. I 
it was the best experience that I've ever had. Yeah, I can understand now <coughs> why it has changed you. Like, yeah. you were really betraying absolute trauma. Yeah. You know, um, which I can't, I'd say you look at things like the her- heroin epidemic, like totally, like totally different now mm. from a different, a different view. And when you do a show like that and it ends, yeah, what's that feeling like? Very hard. Very, very hard. Like a really oh, fucking bad breakup. Yeah, I was real. Because at the time as well, I was working, um, I was working in casting at the time. I worked in casting for, for years, but um, I left that this year. Um, but I was, I went straight back into casting and I, we were casting some, something, maybe a TV show or something. And it was so hard going from something so raw and real and traumatic into some like a, a comedy you know what I mean yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you're like it's on a not funny <laughs> yeah you're just kind of going oh yeah, like your I, emotions yeah, are needed, all over the shop yeah I, can imagine. I, I needed time I think um but th- things like that are never going to be easy to to get over but I knew that it was it had to end too you couldn't live in that show yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. You're like, this isn't gonna be a rolling, yeah, you yeah. know, twelve month. Yeah. Well, how long did that show go on for? It went on for, I think it was a couple of months, but like different shows, different theaters, some time off. Yeah, we did like the Axis, we did the O'Reilly, Finland, Limerick. Um, Limerick was amazing. That was a really hard one, because a lot of the people who came were people who would be affiliated with certain charities or support groups and stuff so it was you know people were told you can leave here anytime you you want and come back in there's no usher gonna say sorry you have to wait till the interval there is no interval you take your interval whenever you need to go out come back in go have smoke that's fine it won't distract us there is no fourth wall here do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the thing. It was really, you know, and sometimes you would look in people's eyes and you could just see the pain and see the stuff that was coming up for them. But we'd always have a post-show discussion as well. Sometimes I'd stay on the panel. Sometimes I wouldn't. Sometimes it would be a really hard show and I'd be going, I can't sit and answer questions tonight, you know? Right, okay. And that was fine. But um, yeah, you'd you'd know that people were really feeling it. Yeah, you Jesus. Know. And do you, you're obviously really passionate about theatre. Um, yeah. I mean, like, just listening to you, I'm like, yeah. where do I get tickets? <laughs> I like, know, I love it. Fuck off, COVID, so we I can know. all go. I know, I'm so sad. I'm and, so sad. And actually, I, I in a few minutes, I will ask you about, like, what is it looking like for COVID and how do we all get tickets now? Because I know everyone who's been <laughs> listening to this will be like, right, well, I'm I'm now a theatre goer. Yeah. Um, and I actually have a friend who was really into theatre. I know she'll do, she's going to ask me lots of questions after this uh, when she <laughs> hears this. But film, because mm. you've done a bit of film. So yeah. you've been in, okay, let me try and get, you were in uh, What Richard Did. Yeah, that was lobster. my first gig. Uh, no, I worked on casting on The Lobster. Work on the <coughs> casting of The yeah. Lobster, okay. And then it was in Sing Street. Sing Street, yes. Yeah. One of Scott's favourite films. Scott, G- Scott and Megan, is it? 
the Scott and Megan show today. <laughs> Fuck off, serious. Um Yeah, we'd have to start talking about Paulie now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you'd be feeling left out. Um, but yeah, so f- with film then, okay, mm-hmm. so when you talk about theatre, you're s- like, if people could see it out, like, so you can see the passion in your face. Yeah. And I love that. That's why I fucking love podcasts. Like, this is brilliant. <laughs> you can but see it. Can, I can see it. You fuckers can only hear it. Yeah. Um, but like, it's, what what is the difference in doing theatre to film? Uh, oh, they're so different, equally as fantastic. But for me, film wise, I haven't gotten a role, a, a a kind of a big enough role in a movie for me to have that immersive, full time. Like most yeah. of the parts that I've done on screen or in TV, you know, I might be shooting for two days off for four, <clears throat> back in, back out. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, um. It's not like I've had a kind of lead role where I'm there all the time and I'm able to dive into it yeah. like heroin. But I absolutely love uh, screen as well. And um, like I did do a, a really good project last year called Wastewater. It's actually on the RTE player. Okay. Um, Myself and uh, a fantastic actor called Dean Lloyd Anderson. Um, and it was written and directed by Dave Tynan. And that was my first kind of like full lead role in a in a piece. I think I've seen this. Have you? It's about the they're kind of like getting together. um, He's like outdoors for parts of it. Yeah. The the, well, the still from it is on the beach. We're sitting on the beach with the towers in the back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's still on the player actually. Okay, brilliant. Um, And I loved that because we only we shot it in a week, which was amazing but it was that thing of you know I was the lead in it so I was there all the time you know I was able to properly dive into it for a whole week yeah yeah so that's why my my theater and my film are completely different to me because I you know I've had such great roles on stage yeah you've really experienced and mainly with film I've, I've mainly done comedy like in tv you know, I did Can't Cope, Won't Cope. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. But that's comedy as well, and I love yeah, yeah. that's great crack, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for some reason, my screen credits are kind of all funny ones. But isn't it funny, though? It just shows, like, actually really how diverse, and, mm. and it just really Thanks. depends <laughs> how diverse. <laughs> I'm actually uh, casting people now yeah, for yeah, yeah. my next movie I have planned. Robin is my agent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but if you, yeah, it does show the diversity and, and the the different experiences that you have. The other thing I know that people are definitely going to want to know, one thing that came to my mind, right, when I had messaged you and asked you to come on, mm-hmm. and it's going to sound, the first thing that came to my mind was, I can't believe she hasn't moved. Yeah. So I know from dancing, anyone that was you know, saw major success. Even if they went away for a while mm. and came back, they went away. Yeah. And I know an awful lot of actors in Ireland and it's, te- it's you know, it's, it's I'm assuming from the outside it, it kind of looks terrible because an awful lot of people, I know kind of like I, I, Red Rock and Love, Hate and all that has changed it. I, I, mm. I, from the, this is all from the outside. But, but, but th- this is the opinion, like these are the opinions that we need to hear. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, from the outside it who, looks like... You're who people want to be watching their stuff. They yeah. Don't want, people aren't writing TV shows going, oh, I hope all the actors watch this. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because like, from the outside, it looks like that that kind of changed acting, and there was more jobs. And I know, and then yeah. Game of Thrones was filmed here as well, and then Vikings. Um, and I know that because I know all of those gigs gave a lot of makeup artists work. Yes. So through that, I know that there was more film work because an awful lot of people in makeup who want to get into film TV they go directly directly to Ortiz's door, you know, okay, or right. somewhere like that because. There isn't like, I mean, I don't, I know one person who was my trainer in Mac who left and is actually did, did all Game of Thrones and she has an amazing career now. Mm. Um, Corinne, uh, Corinne Cleary. Right. She's amazing. Um, but other than that, like, you know, like it's far and few between really with film. Yeah. And I kind of thought maybe it was the same with acting for film in Ireland, but it's, you know, maybe changing slightly. Mm. But... And now I've lost my Why question. Why didn't I leave? Why didn't... Yeah, sorry. Why are you so here? This happens to me all... And where are we? <clears throat> Who am I? Yeah. Um, but... Uh, oh, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We will, actually. Um, <laughs> sorry about that, Eva. Um, but uh, in the sense of when I messaged you, I was a bit like, oh my God, I'm actually surprised she's still here. And that's, in one way, a terrible thought to have mm. because I'm questioning, well... Can you do it here in Ireland? Because I know just from dancing, yeah, it's very hard to make it with, with financially. Yeah, to make good money to live off of. Yeah, and do something you love. Yeah. So what what does that look like in acting? Um, I don't. Yeah, I think for me, I was genuinely terrified to leave. I I I never wanted to do. See, I hated school. Right, so like. I didn't have that whole thing of I'm going to finish school, I'm going to go away for a year. I didn't have friends in school, like didn't get along with any of the people in my year. They were really nasty people. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, there were obviously some lovely people, but I didn't hang, I didn't have a a group of mates in school. It was me and my friend Abby and, you know, so I didn't have that thing of like all my cousins all went off to Australia for a year together in big yeah. groups and all, but I never had a big group, which is not something that I feel sad about. I quite like only having a couple of really close friends, you know. But I think Quality that over was, quantity. Absolutely. But I think that's why I didn't go when I was younger. And then um, I've also never really felt London calling me. Yeah, people say they yeah. f- they kind of feel the call or they don't. I've yeah. actually heard a couple of people say that. Yeah, it's I was not somewhere that... I mean, I'd go and visit there all the time. I've flown over for auditions. I have someone I can stay with over there. But it's never been somewhere that I'm like, I want to pack up my bags and move to London. Whereas loads of my friends have. Um, but I, yeah, it just kind of wasn't for me. And then I was thinking about it again I was thinking about Canada and stuff like that but then a few years ago I was diagnosed with epilepsy so that yes. kind of threw everything up in the air because uh myself and Paulie were like well oh, I'm trying to figure out this new thing that I have to yeah, live with this so, new way of life yeah, yeah so yeah. I wasn't able to then um wouldn't rule it out in the future obviously but it's just something that I kind of just missed that whole emigrating thing yeah I was the same my group the group of girls uh, from Swords that I grew up but they all kind of went to Australia as I got the job in Mac okay and it was like 
I'm not leaving this. And also, yeah. um, as you went in and demanded the job, went in, in and demanded the job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm not you leaving. need me. <laughs> uh, you can hear that story in episode one of season one it's of very the Beauty good. of Truth. Um, but yeah, it the um, I, I I was kind of the same. The boat had kind of gone mm. and I'd missed it but I wasn't sorry I missed it and Canada was the same me and Scott talked about Canada that was on the cards for a bit and then it was like I was much more settled in my career than I was the need to travel I, yeah. and, and it's not a regret Yeah, I did I did in my early 20s think I'm going to fucking regret not going yeah. and I don't at I d- all I don't either I don't at all and I, I really I'm just saying that I, I so I understand where you're coming from I mm. also had like I came out of school, I didn't do like the sixth year, went to school with like lovely girls. I just, I lived in swords, I lived, you know, I danced and I was all over the shop. And, yeah. Um, but I, I do understand that. But to talk about your epilepsy. Yeah. So this is something, um, and anyone who does suffer with epilepsy that's listening or has a friend or a family member, you have a fantastic blog that I'm sure gives massive massive reassurance to people mm. who are either have dealt with it all their lives and just need some comfort or are new to, new to it like you were yeah um where can you find your blog it's evajanegaffney.blogspot.com okay brilliant yeah. we'll also put that as a link in the bio <laughs> yeah i'll have to write all these things down because i forget <laughs> um but yeah so tell us a little bit about your app your your i suppose to diagnose, How, your, your diagnosis. Yeah, so How old were you as well? I was 20. I was 24. Yeah, it's old to be... Yeah. Di- not old, yeah. but like, oh, you know, most people yeah. know in, it, as, as teenagers or even as kids. Mm. But sorry, continue. So um, I had never, obviously never had a seizure before. I no, never had any kind of epilepsy in the family or anything like that. And it was about... This time of year, well, it's December now. It was early December um, of 2016. And I was in the car with my mom and I just felt like reality just slipping away from me. It's it's very hard to describe, but it's definitely described better in the blog <laughs> because, you know, when you're able to write things down yeah, yeah, and kind of... details. But, um, yeah, I... I felt like reality was kind of slipping away. I felt like I was going to get sick. My heart was literally bouncing out my chest. I My fingers went numb. I didn't know where I was. I was like hyperventilating and stuff. Um, and I went to the doctor and the doctor was saying to me, it's probably a panic attack. Um, I'd never had a panic attack before. Never suffered with any anxiety or anything like that. I'd obviously be, you get anxious, but I wouldn't have had any serious problems um <coughs> sorry uh so then i oh yeah and the doctor said to me as well look it's you know coming up to christmas it's always a very stressful time for people you're probably overwhelmed you're working really hard and i was working my arse off as well i was just, where were you working at the time i was working in casting okay. and i was working you know really long days and on the computer all the time and um meeting tons of people and on just on just switch on yeah yeah it's I know the feeling like working at Mac at Christmas <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah that type of you're just on intense. on intense yeah very intense and a lot of responsibility too so I kind of went okay Grant that's fine that's what it is um didn't like take any tablets or anything like that he wasn't saying I have a brilliant doctor as well like I've had him since I was my mom was his first 
pregnant patient so I was his first oh, ever baby stop it so I will never go to another doctor he's great yeah um, and I'm not telling you who he is so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he um, it's all mine yeah he was uh, he was brilliant he, he wasn't kind of saying right you need to go on this or go on that he was just going to keep an eye on it so then Christmas Eve I started getting those kind of it's nearly like water washing over you but not in a nice relaxing way yeah yeah you like feel, a woozy yeah like seasickness like you d- the the ground feels like it's moving you're very dizzy kind of can't focus on anything and this extreme deja vu like the deja vu is the scariest part of it because you don't know what is going on you don't know what's real I get smells that weren't there and these are all called auras that's what the kind of term is in, in epilepsy. Term. Like, I obviously didn't know any of this. So that was Christmas Eve. I was meant to go over to... I was meant to go for pints on Christmas Eve. I didn't go, um, which is how you know I was bad. Yeah. Um, and then Christmas Day, kind of couldn't eat, really eat my dinner. So you know was, you're really yeah, not well When then. I can't eat the and can't dinner drink. of the year. Yeah. So I was kind of like eat, eating a tiny bit. Couldn't get the wine into me. Was meant to be going over to my boyfriend's that night, but um, I just felt way too detached from reality. I did. That's the only way I can kind of describe it. I, I didn't know what was real. I felt like I was living in like the Truman Show or something. I felt like people were just weren't. I felt like I was in a simulation or something. Yeah, yeah. So then on Stephen's Day, I, w- I went to sleep real early on Christmas Day. Stephen's Day, I went over, met him and his mom and dad in the pub. I couldn't drink. I still felt really sick, but I was really trying to put a brave face on. Um, You know, Paulie is amazing, but I'm sure he was like, oh, for God's sake. Like, yeah, pull you know, your shit together. Yeah, get yourself together. Stop being a big anxious yeah, mess. Yeah, go take you some sulfonine and get yeah, over it. Yeah, like, get over it. Like, <laughs> That's what I'd be told. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, I but I went over anyway, and then we got back to the house, went to sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night, soaked with sweat, like absolutely drenched. Didn't know what was going on, shaking like a leaf. Couldn't, I couldn't swallow. Like I thought I was going to get sick, and then I couldn't. Like I felt like I couldn't breathe. It was just mental. And then I. I woke him up and he was really good. He was just like, I mean, he was probably locked going, go back to sleep. Um, <laughs> but he was, he was really good. And then I, I fell back asleep. And then when I woke up again, there was two ambulance men in front of me, like lifting me into a wheelchair. I couldn't speak. Terrifying. Yeah. So That's actually terrifying. I was, I didn't know what was going on. Especially because you're not diagnosed yet. Like you're telling this story and we know that it was epilepsy. We know so you now. Have to, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. When you're listening to this story, you have to remember that you have no idea what's wrong with you mm. yet. You no know what clue. I mean? Like it's yeah. a different context when you put that into it because that is, t- that's really scary. Yeah. And I, I remember that morning. I remember Paulie's mom and dad standing there, his Poor mom, she couldn't even stand up. Her legs were like jelly. She got such a fright. Um, and then, uh, but I didn't know who they were, and I didn't know where I was. I didn't because it, obviously it wasn't my house either. So maybe if I was in my house, I don't know. Yeah. But I didn't know where I was. But then, Paulie must have been beside me or something. But he came around and like looked in my face, and 
he said that I just smiled because I like knew who he was, but I couldn't speak. And he didn't know if I was ever going to be able to speak. They didn't know what had happened. So they put me in a wheelchair, put me in the ambulance, brought me up to Connolly, sitting there for about 13 hours, got brought into the triage nurse. They kept asking me questions and I couldn't talk. Oh, and for fuck's sake. Yeah, Paulie was trying to answer. And of course, like, it's bleeding Stephen's night in the hospital. <sighs> so there was absolute head the balls there. Oh my God, everyone absolutely off their track. Yeah, yeah. And killings, like, so um, I ended up then going. Yeah, they, they had to keep me in or whatever. Kept me in overnight. Um, I was so terrified. And this amazing nurse... Let Polly stay the night. Legend. She literally Hit brought me down, closed the curtain, gave him a pillow, and she was just like, "You can stay." Like, and it was. It's I hard think to she just that knew. I know it's so hard. It's it was so different, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, she could see that I was just completely freaked out. I had no idea what was going on. So then I got loads of tests done. Everything came back like not showing anything. Blah blah blah. Um. The doctor said, <laughs> you love this, everyone is entitled to one seizure in their life. Brilliant. So, like, basically, just go home. Entitled. So, everyone, when you have your seizure, remember you were entitled, you were entitled to, to that. that seizure. Caesar, Caesar. <laughs> That's my lisp. It was the maddest thing Fucking anyone's ever hell. said to me. I was like, what? So, um, like, you're, there's things you're entitled to. Yeah. You know, you're entitled to a warm bed. Yeah. Roof over your head. I don't I know. have a seizure on my list of entitlements. Yeah, I know. It was just the way it was worded. It was I very think sometimes they, they are not, doctors are not in reality. Like they're in yeah, the hospitals so much and they're so overworked yeah. that their sense of fucking reality, like my mum's had some had some serious one-liners as well in the hospital. How is she? Like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I'd say she does say, what Oh yeah, she fucking does. About? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But oh, um, yeah, so then I, then I had like, so I had MRIs done, I had EGs, I had ECGs. The EG is the one where they put like all the kind of glue on your head and they like stick those wires oh, all over right. your head. I'd yeah, say was that like, was a sexy look. Oh, it was crazy. And then they, they do loads of strobe lights, but because my epilepsy isn't photosensitive. Which can I just point out? Didn't know there was an epilepsy that wasn't photosensitive. Me neither. Didn't know that. No. I'm not going to lie to you. We have, Dan has a flashing snowman in here that we turned off because I was like, Dan, oh my God. she has epilepsy. And Dan was like, oh my God, we have to turn the snowman off. Because <laughs> <laughs> we thought that it was like normal epilepsy. That's about I oh, didn't know. No. I would not have known that. I that know. there was epilepsy that wasn't. I, well, I'm sorry, but I kind of wish I had fucking photosensitive epilepsy. Mine is so annoying. It's temporal lobe epilepsy. So it's like... Your temporal lobe is like your emotional center of your brain. So, so actually, during heroin, the show, I that just that, came to my mind. Yeah, actually, that was that was a real test. To I think that's probably why that changed me a lot as well because I was like, I can actually still work with this condition. Yes, but I had to take care of myself a lot. Um, but yeah, I definitely had um, like they're called focal onset aware seizures. Or petty mouths, they used to be called back in the day. And they're basically that that kind of deja vu, smells that aren't there, feeling detached from reality, but it's not convulsive. So you don't go shaking on the ground or anything, but I'd need to like breathe. Did have them during the show. 
You did? But yeah, but I was in such a safe environment that I, I knew that everything was going to be okay. I knew this is why I'm very vocal about it. People told me I was absolutely mental, that I'll never get acting work if I tell if I write the blog, if, you know, people actually got in touch with me when I put the first blog up going, are you mental? Like, nobody's going to hire you, you know, and Sorry, I was just so going... so you basically won't get any acting work yeah, if because you've epilepsy. Yeah, because people will go, oh, Jesus, that's too risky. And I was going, well, I can't live in that world. I cannot live in a world where, you know, having, having a condition that you let people know about is going to stop you getting work you know and maybe people were speaking from experience I don't know yeah because I'd imagine it can be slightly cutthroat and yeah you know any any roadblocks yeah like let's people are dicks at times yeah and any roadblocks are but I mean you yeah you have to be you I had to and it so I did one job before I kind of before I came out and told everyone I had it I did one job and I um went over to the first aid guy and I told him that I've been recently diagnosed. Here's my EpiPen, blah, blah, blah. I was so terrified on that set because the only person who knew was that that first aid guy. Yeah, was that first aid person. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the fact that I'm hiding something for fear of people not wanting to work with me. I was then had to come to terms with like, I'm going to have this forever and I hope to be working in this industry forever. So here, you can all know. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, and it yeah. has been brilliant. Like anytime I've worked. So you haven't had it, any setbacks from having it? Not that I know of. I mean, that's the thing. I don't know if there's been things that I haven't, that you haven't, gotten. That I haven't gotten because of it. But I do know that I've, that I have gotten work and I've worked with brilliant people. And, you know, I, did a show in the Abbey like that's a huge deal for me working in the National Theatre yeah of course where everybody knows that you know there's not not a risk like I I know when I'm going to take take a turn as my granny take says take a turn I yeah. love it yeah she took a turn she took a turn yeah. last night that can mean anything <laughs> <laughs> like that could have been like she took a turn on Polly and lost it yeah. like yeah oh she's after taking a terrible turn um <sighs> But yeah, so that's why, sorry, I went off on a tangent there, but that's why I'm I'm very open about it because it makes me feel safe that if anything is to happen at any point, at least three or four people in the room go, oh, she has epilepsy. And she's an EpiPen and do we you know, know what, what I mean? to do. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So with your epilepsy, is there a reason why it only came about at 24? They don't know. They don't know. They just... Yeah, they just said it It just came on me late. And when you said as well that it's kind of, you mentioned something about it being like your your frontal lobe. Yeah, my temporal lobe. Your temporal lobe. Yeah. So that, that controls your emotions. So do mm. you have to really mind yourself in terms of stress and sleep? And Yeah, sleep is a massive one. Um, and I need time. I, I, I can't... I can't stretch myself too thin. So I can do the stressful things, but I can't do, you know, a mad work day and then go for dinner and then have coffee booked with someone the next day. And then, you know what I mean? I can kind of do one thing a weekend. Yeah. You know, 
Which is probably the way Which we all should be I was anyway. about to say, we jam-packed mm. our fucking lives anyway. Yeah. And if this year's taught us anything, it's totally unnecessary to yeah. do. And I find myself falling back into that now. I know. I'm back working full-time, like a Monday to Friday 9 to 5 gig. And I am struggling. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I get it. I absolutely get it. You, you kind of do it, and you, and then it's only two weeks later. You go, I'm absolutely bollocks. Yeah. What is wrong with me? And you're like, oh, maybe it's because you haven't sat down yeah. in fucking two weeks. Yeah, like. and, and just the, the... I just know, like, I'm bringing it on myself. I've stopped doing that thing of... You know the way, like, I'm sure you're guilty of this too. Making plans you know you're going to cancel. Oh, I think, isn't that... A, that's... It's that's just such a thing. thing. It is a thing. Such a thing. I've stopped doing that now. Okay. You know. I, I'm conscious of it, so I, yeah. I actually try not to do it as much anymore. I actually yeah. really, really am conscious of it now. Yeah. I was a fucker for, for a very long time. Because I also don't want to be like the boy who cried wolf. You know what I mean? I I, I'm, I get very paranoid about... I'm very lucky. Like the, most of the people in my life that I've had to bail on or cancel on or whatever, they're very understanding of the reason that if I'm having a bad day, like I don't, I don't plan that. It just comes on me. Um, I, it always gets really bad around my period as well. And that's what, something that I always say when I'm speaking to other women. Um, because and when I'm speaking to men too, as well, actually, like I, you know, I speak to my brother about this and I think it's really important that it's a huge hormonal change every month like and yeah, yeah. it really affects the epilepsy it really affects women with epilepsy right okay. yeah um i i tend to get i'd be very susceptible to having petty miles around that time okay yeah and when they happen is it like your 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 kind of this is going to sound really terrible your bog standard seizure or can mm. it just be that 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 wooziness it's and the wooziness it can be mild and it can be yeah so i haven't actually had a convulsive seizure I'm tipping wood here. You're tipping real wood. Ooh, it's stunning in here, yeah, by the way. Fab. I wish everyone could see it. It's so I, nice. I wish it was mine. <laughs> <laughs> you look so great there. Thanks. Um, I haven't had a convulsive seizure in a couple of years, which is amazing. Oh, brilliant. Okay, great. Because the medication I'm on are anti-convulsants. Okay. So um, I'm on a medication called Lamictal and it's brilliant. I'm really lucky. I never had any side effects or anything like that. But that basically is a, it stops the shaking. Okay. So I can still have the mental seizure. Okay. But my body doesn't go into a tonic-clonic shaking state. Right. Do you know? Um, and yeah. you, you mentioned in your blog as well about there was some friends though that dropped off. Yeah. Oh, like, and it was, it was absolutely heartbreaking. Like, I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't. I just couldn't. I couldn't believe that I hadn't seen that I was only a good time friend to to some people. I didn't know that. Like, I, d I didn't realize that, like, because I suppose I'd never really asked anyone for any help. Like, but I was always everybody's agony aunt, you know, and I, I actually just couldn't believe it. Like, really close friends. But I mean whatever like I, I that was the thing as well Paul was saying to me he goes well, you have to get over it because you're only going to be sick if it's it's like a catch-22 because yeah, if you yes. give them the time for you to be upset about this then you're going to end up well fucking, fucking your head up again yeah you yeah. know so 
But yeah, people, and and I'd love to say, you know, I'm not. I don't want to be mean. Like, it's I would love your truth. You can be truthful. I know. I'd love to say that. Oh, maybe they just found it hard and blah blah blah. But they didn't. They just wanted me there when I was. The fun friend. The fun friend who'd give you all the advice, tell you you were amazing and pick you up when you were down. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't that they were like, I'm finding it hard to relate to you. It was just like, you're no use to me now. Yeah. So. Uh, Tough things in life do that. Yeah. I've definitely, definitely um, lost lost a few along the way as well on, on, on my journey. Yeah. I hate to say <laughs> that, but I can't <laughs> but think of another true. word. Like, um. Yeah, no, it is. It's really tough because when you when you go through things in life, and people always say it, like mm. you'll re- people will show their true colors when the going gets tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and sometimes you're right. Like sometimes they're like, she found it very hard to connect to me and couldn't fuck off. Yeah, be there for me. Yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah, be there. Just for be me. there. Like yeah, yeah. And and like and sometimes like when you are the person going through the hard thing, you can you can be a hard person to be around. Yeah, but that is the point in a friendship yeah you know you see people at their ugliest I know and these were people um, who I had done loads of stuff for and I had been friends with for years like you know yeah and yeah it was it's just a hard a pill to shame. swallow though like yeah it yeah. is it is a hard p- pill to swallow but onwards and upwards exactly and that's brilliant that you haven't had an actual full-blown I know yeah years. so good amazing yeah and look at all the success that you've had like you've you have been able to work yeah and it really is a testament to you as a person as well like I think when sometimes people get diagnosis like this you know and no fault of their own it just depends on the type of person you are you know kind of fight or flight mode mm. um and you decided that this was it, it's just something that is part of you it, it's yeah. not it's not you yeah um which i think is really important with um with any with any illness mm. or diagnosis that people get i just know from like my mom i'm always saying to her like it's it's not you like it, cancer doesn't own you yeah. your epilepsy doesn't own you yeah um but it, it is difficult when you're going through that at the time. It's a lot easier said than done. No, but you're right. Like, I, I'm really happy that I trusted my gut and spoke out about it pretty much straight away. Because I think if I'd have kept that to myself and we were sitting here now, I still wouldn't be telling people. I think yeah. if I had decided to keep that a secret, you know, and to keep it to myself... I don't think I'd maybe ever tell anybody. So it was a very much a kind of knee-jerk reaction. And people did tell me I was mad to do, to do it. But I'm really glad that I just went, hello, internet, this is after happening, you know, and this is this is how it is now and blah, blah, blah. Because it just yeah. kind of, I just was like, oh, I can't keep it in. You know? Yeah, and it's also really old school to like, you know, she's she's like that. Yeah, she, yeah, took yeah, she took a turn. We won't we won't say what the turn was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and we're and everyone that's and that's where gossip starts because then everyone's like, "What was the turn? I wonder what happened." Yeah, exactly. is she all right? What's gonna happen next? Yeah. Um. So, no, like, fucking go you, <laughs> and your blog is brilliant, and I highly recommend. It's a great read, if anything. Thank you. Um. No, and it show it, it brings awareness as yeah. well. Like, I haven't I mean, written in ages. Yeah, get back on that. I, I know, really enjoy yeah. it. And I said to you earlier, like, I'm not a blog person. Like, yeah. I don't sit and read. Like, there's no blogs that I'm like, I dip in and out maybe as well for research for a podcast or, mm. you know, if someone, if there's that one post that blows up the internet or whatever. But I, I, I don't, you know, subscribe to them. But I yeah. would definitely, you actually write 
beautifully. Thank you. Um, and I come from a family of book snobs. Um, so not that I'm a book snob myself now, but like it actually, you, you write really amazing. Is that something you would actually go into? Um, some act I know in film and people yeah. tend to kind of sometimes go down that road. Yeah, it's something that I've always been like so nervous about. I'm like, I'm not a writer, but as in it's taken me 10 years to, well, it took me eight years to be like, I am an actor. Yeah, yeah. So we'll I'll take uh, another 10. Yeah, I'll take another 10 for we'll me to go. meet back I here in 10 write. years. We'll talk but, about your first novel. Yeah, but no, I'm I'm writing. Like, I've, I've written a couple of short film scripts and stuff like that. And, you know, they have nobody has seen them. But I'm sure I'll get to a point where, I'm, them out in the yeah, where I'm able to you know, start asking people for money to make movies and get them to read things, do you know? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, no, it's definitely something that, I mean, if you'd asked me that a few years ago, I'd be like, no, never, never writing. Oh my God, no way, no way. And Paul used to always say to me, he's going, you need to write for yourself. Like you need to write your own stuff. That's what a lot of people are doing now. Write your own stuff, write for yourself, write the parts you want to play. And I'd be going, I can't write, I'm terrible at writing, blah, blah, blah. But... Then when I actually sat down and had an idea for something, I can write. Everybody You're like, can that's write. Not half yeah, bad. I was like, that's I might be a millionaire okay. after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Now. You never know. But, um, yeah, so I would definitely, yeah, I'd definitely be script writing. And then what is what what is next for Eva Jane Gaffney? So next week, post COVID. Well, next week I'm starting. So next week but this will be like two months ago for people listening oh yeah yeah it'll be no it'll only be about not even four weeks oh okay so this is going to come out in january so we're oh, all in nice. january now Ooh. <laughs> oh everything hopefully, changed at midnight yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully not in another fucking lockdown yeah. um so next week i am doing the abbey theater have this unbelievable thing that they're doing for the whole week next week it's called Abbey Calling and it's in this online in partnership with Aware the charity and there's 50 actors and we're doing five days of phone calls so you can go on so I'm doing amazing pieces like um like Jane Austen I'm doing the Lake Isle of Innisfree which is one of my favorite poems ever um some Patrick Kavanagh poems stuff like that and you can basically go onto the Abbey website, pick which piece you want to hear, book a time slot. Say if you booked two o'clock on the Wednesday or whatever, I'll get your number and then I'll call you at two on the Wednesday. You don't know what actor you're going to get. Like people can't select me. Oh, wow. It's like a, it's like a lottery of who you get. So you could end up with anybody. Um, there's You can pick a song if you want. Like I don't sing, but there's... There's There'll a couple of songs and stuff. There's like Sally Gardens and the L Triangle. And so, yeah, and the calls are a maximum of 30 minutes. But it's basically we'll do a piece and then have a chat with the person who's missing theatre or oh just wants gosh. to hear an actor say something. And and that would be so good for anyone who's like cocooning and like yeah. hasn't gotten out and is into the arts and yeah. poetry. Oh, my God. I know. It's so nice. I, I honestly... So... It's funny. Remember I was talking to you and I told you that I had gotten a retail job for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, because I was thinking, I'm never going to act again. My career is over. My life is over. Because of COVID. Because of COVID. And just because I just, it was winter and I thought that everything was awful. So I'm like, I'm getting a real job. Oh, oh you understand. So got, I went. Got the real job. Oh God, I went and got the real job and it was a real mess. So I went in for a training day and... My voiceover agent rang me the day before and they were like, can you go in and do a Vodafone voiceover tomorrow? I was like, yes, oh, I'm really happy that I got that. But oh my God, I'm meant to be doing this training day. But that was fine because I was able to leave early. So the training day didn't feel right to me. Okay. And I was going, but I need to just suck it up. This is do the reality job. Gotta now. Make money. I have to do it. You have to cop on. You have to get into the real world. Then I went out on my lunch and I bumped into these two actors that like I love. They're men. They're like in their 50s, but they're two brilliant Irish actors. And they were like, oh, how's it going? And all. And I was saying, oh, hi. Oh, I just started this job in this place. And they were going, what? Why are you, are you not acting? And I was like, well, there's no work and blah, blah, blah. And they were going, ah, don't be going into retail and don't be going back into X, Y, and Z and stuff. And I was going, well, it's all well and good for you to say you are hired by everyone all the time because you yeah. are amazing. So that was the first thing. Then I left that place at three, went over to do the Vodafone and the day in training hadn't gone great. I wasn't really feeling very optimistic about it. Okay. Um, and then I did the Vodafone voiceover. They were so nice. Like they were all like, oh, you've joined so great to see you. And all they were all on Zoom and they were just like, that was perfect. First go. That was amazing. And all oh, and like, that never on a happens. High. Yeah, yeah. That never really happens either. You know what I mean? So I was like, is the universe telling me that I like, don't be rushing into a, a retail job. Things w might work out, you know. Then when I left the booth, I got on the bus and I got an email about this Abby calling thing. And of course, I would have been unavailable because I would have been in that job. So they had just checked my availability. They hadn't sent me the offer. Like they sent my agent an availability check and I literally said to her, yeah, I'm fully available, rang that place. And I was like, look, I've had to change your heart. I Oh, can't, I can't do it <laughs> because I mean, Anna, you got to do what's right. Three that was a lot of happened signs. in one day. Yeah, that was a lot of I mean? signs. And I'm, I used to be all about the signs. Now I'm much more realistic about things, but it was weird. So the fact that you know I'm doing this thing for the Abbey, I'm really excited about it because it's two of my favorite things talking to people who need someone to talk to yeah and acting. <laughs> yeah you're doing you're also doing like a really good thing yeah like a yeah. you know really so wholesome good thing all the donations go to aware um you, you know it's free to book a phone call but you can put in a donation if you want so That's it's all unreal. free yeah. and for how long for a week a week okay yeah. brilliant yeah. it'll be all said and done now when, when this i know comes but you out. can still donate to aware <laughs> yes yes which is amazing yeah. yeah unbelievable and then and then with covid then mm -hmm. what what does it look like for i don't know really um well i'm working in pharma now and uh they're optimistic about this vaccine so okay. who knows yeah but yeah i mean i think see i just i reckon we'll probably go into another lockdown so shoots are starting and they're on and that's fine. Film and TV is all filming away. 
it's all great. Yeah, because I did getting... work for the independent and like Life Mag and yeah, like they're all getting their COVID tests. My dad's doing a bit of driving on um, a TV show. He's getting COVID tested all the time and blah, yeah, blah, blah. yeah. So that's fine. But theatre wise. I honestly, we are very uncertain. We don't know what the future of theatre is at the minute because obviously you'll have to have small audiences, but like that, how do you make any money? I was going to say that doesn't know, pay how, for how the. Do you, how do you pay people? So I really don't know what the story is going to be with theatre, but I think the Abbey have done such an amazing job this year. They they keep on doing yeah, very this innov- online. innovative. Yeah. Is that the word? Did I pronounce that word? Right? Innovative. Yeah. Innovative. Yeah. They've good initiatives. In, good initiatives. Yeah. Um. Yup. The Abbey. Um, um, yeah. No, the they Abbey. really they really have though. I've seen a lot of stuff online from them. Mm. So, what is where? Sorry, what I'm saying? What? Where can people find you? So they listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. They love it because this was amazing. <laughs> and they want to know where can they live in the world of Eva Jane Gaffney. So I'm on Twitter at Eva Jane's. So Eva Jane with a Z at the end. Okay. Instagram, Eva Jane Gaffney. And then for professional work, you can go on my voice bank. So just go to voice, voice bank. bank. Voice Did bank. Did I call yeah. it voice box earlier? No, you called it voice bank. Voice bank. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> go to voice bank and you'll find my page on there. And that's where you can listen to all my gaming reels and all oh, that jazz. Oh, so good. Go listen to it, people. And then, yeah, you can, I think I have a show reel online as well, like with all my film and TV bits or whatever. Amazing. Oh, and Wastewater. Watch Wastewater. Oh, yeah, Wastewater. Yeah, RT, yeah, player. RT player. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Well, listen, Eva, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. To season two. I know. Congratulations. Um, thanks so much. It doesn't really feel real. But <laughs> you're listening. Who? Hopefully people are listening. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much. And I wish you all the success post-COVID, during COVID, fuck COVID. I know. Um, but listen, and um, I'm so happy to hear that you're doing well and everything is going well for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely loved having the chat with Eva Jane Gaffney on that episode and I really hope you guys enjoyed it too. And if you would like more information, uh, you can follow Eva Jane's blog if you would like more information on her uh, diagnosis and journey with um, epilepsy. You can go to um, Eva's blog at evajanegaffney.blogspot.com and as I said at the beginning, you can follow me at the Beauty of Truth podcast on Instagram and Robin Byrne Makeup on Instagram. Thank you so much. And don't forget to download, rate, share, comment and tag me in all your listens uh, this week. Thank you so much, guys.